Thank you, Zach and the choir, uh, for encouraging us today and uh, helping us uh, worship. Um, they are not the performers, they're the helpers, uh, helping us worship as we all worship together. Uh, they're leading the way, and I appreciate them. I, I, how many of you uh, would be afraid if I said, I, I need you to sing a solo this week? How many of you would be afraid? Or uh, maybe you could uh, play on the piano just quietly, real quietly, actually, uh, for some of you. Uh, yeah, that, that's tough. It's sometimes tough to put yourself out there like that, but I appreciate our musicians, that they would come, that they would practice, uh, that they would uh, perform, and uh, not just perform, but lead us, lead us as we worship the Lord together. And what beautiful songs. Uh, even this morning, I felt the victory of what we have in Christ, and uh, it's awesome. It's good stuff, so we thank you. Uh, I wanted to encourage you one more announcement. Just our, our last parenting uh, class is happening this Wednesday, uh, and it's kind of going to be a bucket list of uh, things that we should teach our kids and things that we should sort through. And so I'd encourage you, if you're a parent, even if you haven't come once, uh, we, we're going to uh, do that and it would be encouraging to you. I hope in room A at 7 o'clock, uh, we'd love to have you there. Um, it's interesting, uh, most of the time I think about parenting and other things like this, we don't think about it until uh, it all goes south. And I want to encourage you that uh, you want to uh, prepare yourself for things, and even if things are going well, uh, to continue, because it's important. Uh, the raising of children is uh, critical for what goes on here in the years to come. Uh, Awesome. This morning, I, I want to ask you to turn to the, in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 2 is where we'll be this morning. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm a guy with crazy thoughts. I, I, I'm glad no one said amen right now, especially uh, my wife. Um, but I'm always thinking of ideas and stuff. I always have these ideas that I, I, I wonder, I wonder, uh, I, I'm not necessarily the smartest guy in all the world, but I, there's things that I wonder about, and I wonder if they would work out. Uh, I, you know, I look to the sky, and, you know, I, aerospace, I've got some ideas that some of you engineers have never even thought of, uh, and I wonder if they would work out. Uh, you know, I, I think about buildings, too. I think of buildings, and wouldn't it be cool if, and kind of that, that kid type thing with Legos, you know, is going on in my mind, but I think of it with big things. Uh, you know, and the idea of different things going downhill and how fast you can get them going and what if and this and that, I, I have all these thoughts. And um, thankfully for you all and for my family, uh, that I don't have the time, money, or resources to do any of these things, to test them out, uh, to have these hypotheses, you know, this idea that you have an idea and you test it and you see if it will work. I have no way to get to the end of the cul-de-sac in these things, and so I have to leave them behind and just wonder. As we look to the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to remind you uh, that the writer, most likely Solomon, he had the resources. He had the resources. He had the vantage point. Uh, he had uh, both the wisdom and the finances and the time to sort things out. And he is giving us a window into the realities of life. He's giving us a window, not just as a young man, but as a uh, taking those young man experiences and he's sorting them out 
as an older man, uh, sorting out what is wisdom and what is not, and he is being able to see clearly what we cannot see. And so what a blessing for us to be able to see from God's Word. I want to remind you also, um, you may come to this study, even as I have come, you know, I want to tell you as a pastor, uh, this isn't particularly challenging uh, to understand the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. This isn't one of the hardest theological passages that I've ever tackled. But the idea of trying to find something to say on Sunday, so I've told people this over and over again. I love being a joyful preacher, uh, preaching the things that are encouraging and things that are uplifting and giving you something that you can handle for the rest of the week. Uh, this particular passage, a bit of a challenge to find those things because it's the reality of life and it's giving us a picture of what life truly is. And maybe that's a bit discouraging for us here this morning. And especially for me. But I, I want to remind you uh, a very important uh, couple of verses from the New Testament. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 it says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. As you look at this passage this morning, I want you to ask the question, what does God have for me? What is the benefit to my soul right now? If you're a, a, a father or a mother, what is the benefit to me that will filter out to my family today? Uh, what is it that I could take away? And we, we can say this every week, but to look at this particular passage and say, why does God have me here this morning? Um, some of you say, well, I, I, I always come. I, you know, you should see my attendance record. It's pretty impressive at Bear Valley Church, you know. I got like stars and stuff all the way down, you know. They're going to give me an award at the end of the year for perfect attendance. Uh, you, you all probably got us sick, but you know, anyways. Uh, but um, the uh, others of you say, well, I only come every once in a while, and I was hoping for something different. I want to tell you, God put you here this morning. And so as we look to God's word, we realize that there's a benefit to us, even as uh, Solomon was looking for the benefit of life from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from verse 12 uh, down through verse 17. God's word says this, So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly, uh, for what can the, the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Uh, then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks around in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I uh, been so very wise and said in my heart that this, is also, th that this is also vanity? For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been for long forgotten. 
how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because of what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after wind. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would replace your, um, our thoughts with your thoughts. That we would think and know uh, and walk in your path. That we would follow after you. That we would uh, understand life through your vision, not our own. God, we pray that you would find us encouragement uh, in the days right now. Uh, that we would walk with you. God, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So you look at this passage, the, the writer, uh, like I said before, uh, Solomon most likely, he gives us really almost the first time in this book. There's some other veiled references, and it's just a smidgen, by the way, of hope of this is what's good, of something that you can cling to. Uh, and here it is. Here it is. It, it's the idea that wisdom is better than foolishness. Wisdom is better than foolishness. In, in verse 12, uh, so I turned and considered. By the way, he keeps saying this. I turned and considered. It's the idea of uh, giving mental focus, uh, putting it on the top priority. I'm going to dial in at this moment. Uh, I, it's the idea that I'm going to really work at it. Uh, you know, he, he could have been saying, you know, I'm going to Google it and do some Internet research right now. I realize that Googling it and doesn't getting Internet research doesn't really mean that you know anything. It just means that you found something that somebody said about something. But anyways, it's the idea, uh, maybe you could say this, I went to the library. I, I went and considered. I, I, I studied this, if you will. I studied this, and he was turning to the idea of wisdom and foolishness. In our verse there, verse 12, it says, to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. I don't know other translations put that together, but it's kind of the idea of this. Wisdom, madness, and folly, okay? Two, two different things, madness and folly. He uses two words to describe really reckless, fleshly living. It's just going after whatever's in front of you. Uh, I, most of the middle schoolers are gone. It's, it's kind of the way they live, you know what I mean? It's this idea that it doesn't matter anymore. I, I think with uh, our modern culture and just the different opportunities that are out there, there's this idea of being more extreme in your adventures. I, I read a story recently about a man from Japan who... He, uh, he liked to take pictures of himself hanging from buildings and the, the, these extreme things where he'd hold on with one and you'd see the, the ground below him and you'd realize that there was no, uh, no safety net, no anything that was to catch him. And he was going about doing this and it showed a bunch of pictures and then you see a picture and the article said this was his last picture because he slipped and fell to his death. Um, this is the idea, madness and folly. It's the idea of just doing things recklessly. I realize that is uh, on the very, very far side of reckless living. But it's the idea of saying, I don't care what's right. I don't care what's wrong. I'll just do whatever I want to do. 
I don't care if there's a sense of morality to it. I don't care if it's dangerous. I just want to do it, and I want to see what it's like. Solomon says of this, this madness and folly, he said, I want want to put them side by side to wisdom. Uh, And then he he says something, and uh, many commentators have argued about this, but I think we'll see this again. He says, he speaks of the king. In the middle of verse 12, he says, for what can the man do who comes after the king? Um, Who comes after the king, by the way? The next king. And in uh, this culture, many times it was the son. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, my dad has struggled with this, uh, this concept uh, my whole life. The one who comes after him, right? What will they do? Uh, what will they do uh, as an adult? What will they do when I'm gone? What will they be like? Um, as Solomon, being an e- older man, or the writer here, being an older man, uh, he's not thinking about so much him being king. He knows what that's all about, but he's thinking about that next one. And in fact, uh, some of the said, and it seems to go like this, that uh, he is trying to sort this out so that he can pass it on. He, he's trying to sort out what would be good for the next king. How can I set up that next king? Uh, Madness and folly or wisdom, which would be better for this next king? How can I give them something? It's interesting. um, Sometimes uh, when, you know, you're in the middle of life and you say, you know, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to set up that next generation. And then life gets difficult and complicated and uh, you get to the end of your life and you say, I don't have time or energy to figure all that out. I'll let, I'll let my kids deal with it. Your garage is what I'm talking about. The stuff in your garage, the half-done uh, half projects. I'll just let them figure it out. Like it, I don't have the time or energy. And I believe that Solomon was looking at his life right now, and he says, I do have, I do have, I can get to the end right here. I can figure this out. Uh, and how that does, it goes to the next king as well. There's a sense of setting up. And uh, so he finds himself, as many of us do, looking to that next generation and saying, uh, what will I leave them? How can I give them something? Uh, how can I help them along their way? So he searches out madness and folly or mad folly and wisdom side by side. And then he gives us something. Remember in the last uh, sections we've looked at, maybe the last three or four we've looked at, he's looking for profit. He's looking for the idea which will be a gain. And then in verse 13 he says this, Then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. There it is. There it is. The first encouragement. you know, And first thing that we can walk away with, even this week, even this day, of... How should you live your life? You should be seeking wisdom, not folly. Foolish, reckless living is bad for you. It's better for you to walk in wisdom. Wisdom 
that, uh, and there is wisdom out there. We, there's a right way to do something. And I, I don't want to say there's a right way, a perfect way, in the sense that I, I figured this out and everything else is wrong. But there's a better way. There's a better way. And I think that's important for us as God's people. As uh, He's given us this life, we, ha- we live here, um, and we should be walking in wisdom. We should be asking the question, what is uh, the wise way to do this? And we should be teaching our kids that too. Reckless living is not good for kids. Uh, but by the way, part of parenting is this, is telling your kids, don't do that. Right? Don't do that. And you say, well, I don't want to thwart his artistic ability. Putting your hand on the stove is not artistic ability, okay? It's bad for them. And you look at those things and you want to, in experience, point out things that are not wise for them. They can learn. Uh, they, they can learn by experience. It's a brutal teacher, though. Brutal. And it will not go well for them. Um, each one of our kids in different areas are prone, as we were, to reckless and foolish living. I want to tell you that it's good for us to realize uh, there's a better way. There's a wise way to do everything. Uh, there's wisdom. There's a better way. And so we seek uh, that wise way. Why? Because there's more gain in it. There's more gain. It's better. It's superior uh, to folly and madness. Um, it's interesting. Uh, folly and madness uh, it, it makes for better stories, though, right? You know, I was doing this thing one time, and I, you know, no seatbelts on. Like I had an idea. I went to Magic Mountain, and I, I had an idea. You're supposed to put that that bar down, and I didn't do it. I purposely, I, I I made it look like I did, but I could stand up on the roller coaster, like I could get out, and and there's. It makes for a great story, doesn't it? it? When you're sitting around with your buddies and say, you know, I stood up on the roller coaster and I just hung on with one hand and I didn't die. You should try it sometime. You know, that, that's about how those stories go, right? I want to tell you that there's a, you can get away with foolishness and madness. You can survive it. But I want to tell you, it's not good for you. And there will be those times where it blows up in your face and you say, oh, I should have done the wise way. And to tell your kids and to share with them and to even circle, highlight, point out when things blow up and you say, you could have avoided that if you would have walked in wisdom. So wisdom is better. In fact, he gives a picture of uh, another picture that we know so well of light and darkness. He says uh, in verse 13, he says, uh, There's more gain in wisdom than folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Light than darkness. Which one's better? And some of you are going, well, I I like the night. I like the night. I like sleeping. Uh, I like the idea of it being dark and the stars. And you want to argue with that. I want to tell you that primarily uh, people work during the day. They see it as better. It's easier to work. And you say, well, why is that? Because it's easier to see. It's easier to see. Uh, do you want, um, many, many of you, you know, think it's fun to go to the doctor all the time. And uh, you go to the doctor and he says you, you need surgery. And um, 
And he said, great, when is it? And they said, well, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and he said, why 2 o'clock in the morning? He go, I just think it's better. I just think it's better. I say, well, uh, will you be alert then? He said, not really, not really. You know, uh, I get really tired at night. Uh, and he says, well, you know, you come in here. He says, uh, well, you'll be at the hospital. Yeah, I'll be at the hospital, but I'm not going to turn the lights on. I think I can do it. I think I can figure it out like just by, you know, I've done this before. You go, no way, I'll pass, I'll pass. I'll live with my ailments, okay? Uh, you realize that light is better than darkness. It's better to see. It's better to see what you're doing than to not see what you're doing, right? Uh, this is the picture. And really, if you can look at life, wisdom is walking in the light, and darkness is this madness folly that it goes on. And so the idea, it, it's interesting, when you go madness and folly, for life, guess what happens? You run into things. You trip. You fall down. You're unsuccessful. You get, you hurt yourself, and you don't know why because you can't see it. And and it's so interesting when you talk to someone who's lived their life in wisdom. They go, I don't know why it's happening this way. And it's pretty easy to see if you would have chosen a different path, your life wouldn't hurt you so much. There wouldn't be so much pain. You can avoid some of these things by walking in wisdom. This is Solomon's great revelation. And we realize it's no big revelation, but it's, it's important for him to see there is a superiority to wisdom, wise living. There is more gain. And so we kind of conclude wisdom is better. Wisdom is better. And so everyone could know that. Everyone on the face of this earth, whether they're believers in God or not, uh, whether they know anything about the scriptures, you can say there's a better way and foolishness is not the way for you. Which moves us to the second point. Um, it's not much better. It's not much better. Uh, Solomon very quickly goes from wisdom being superior to foolishness and says, yeah, but it's not much better. Look look at God's word. Um, Verse uh, 15, he says, Then I said in my heart, uh, actually, I'm sorry, um, actually, middle of verse 14, he says, And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them, meaning all of them being the wise people as well as the foolish. He says, Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why have uh, why then have I been so very wise and said in my heart that this is also is vanity? This is a, a common conclusion that he comes to. Um, and this is what he said. He goes, as I look at those who are wise, as I look who have given themselves over to mad folly, uh, both die. Both die. Both die. Sometimes at the same time. Uh, one not having more days than the other. And sometimes, some who have lived in foolishness and madness their whole life live long lives, longer than those who have walked in wisdom. And so he comes to this and he goes, he finds this common conclusion that it's better, but not that much better. That this same event happens to them. This last week, uh, Stephen Hawking died. Some of you know him, and he's one of the uh, great minds of our time. Uh, he 
you know, he considered himself an atheist. Uh, so those some of the things he acknowledged God and he didn't mean to. It's funny about that, um, that atheists sometimes acknowledge God and they didn't mean to. Um, but he died this week. He's 76. Is that young or old? I don't know. It depends if you're 77, I would uh, assume. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, he died. He had this terrible illness. He lived with it for a very long time. He was very well respected in things of the cosmos. And uh, yeah, but he's he died. And so people reflect on a life. They reflect on uh, who he was, whether he lived a good life or a bad life. And people will argue over whether it was a life worth living or not. Uh, some of you know also that Billy Graham recently died. People have done that as well. Uh, they, they have considered his life, his long life, his life as an evangelist, his life, uh, how that impacted uh, individuals and churches and our nation. And some have uh, gone through that as well. In the last year, uh, prior year, 2017, uh, Glenn Campbell died. Glenn Campbell died. And some of you don't even know who Glenn Campbell is. Rhinestone cowboy, you know, uh, I could sing it for you if you wanted to. I, I'll spare you. Um, also, Hugh Hefner died. Uh, you may know of him as well, the great uh, one who brought Playboy to uh, really pornography to our society and mainstream. This is what he did. And in his death, uh, he, he marked his plot. He got his plot right next to Marilyn Monroe uh, so that he could... Uh, his body could lie in waste next to her body lying in waste. And you look at this and you say, well, who is wise? Who is foolish? Who is, you know, which one was a better life? You, we can look at all those things, but Solomon, as he looks at it, he says, forget that question. They're all dead. And so will I be. Uh, not depending on whether I lived a wise or a foolish life, I too will die. Uh, and so this idea of foolishness and uh, wisdom, he looks at it and he, he, it, it confuses him. It hurts him because he, he, in his mind, it goes like this. And we, we do this all the time too, right? If I'm wise, I'll live a long life. I'll live longer. I'll get more. It'll be better. I, I can... I can outwit death if I'm wise. Some of you think this, right? You're not eating certain things, right? And you're going, yeah, I'm going to live forever. When we were living in the Bay Area, and this is just how elementary school goes in the Bay Area, um, one of our kids was at lunch uh, at the elementary school that he went to, and um, one of the kids was eating Cheetos. And uh, one of the kids says to the other kid, and Caleb's right there, I think it was Caleb. He says, every Cheeto you eat takes seven days off your life. <laughs> Caleb came home and he expressed this to our whole family. And we had a bag of Cheetos just to uh, show them that we're going to be okay. And uh, it, it, this is the picture, right? Is that we think that wise living will somehow cause us to escape that common end not true it's not true and Solomon as he went uh, before uh, life as he was seeking things out as he had experienced he'd seen people who were both wise and foolish who had passed away he says this 
Yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Happens to all of them. I want to encourage you today. Um, death is a common event that will happen to all of us here. We should live life in light of that. Uh, and we should plan for it. We should think through what we're doing today knowing that we will die someday. To think through uh, decisions that we make and, and put them in perspective to the brevity of life and that our days are numbered. That we should not have this idea, uh, you know, I'm going to live it to the full and one of these days death will come and I don't need to think about that right now because it's not today. That's not the case. The book of Ecclesiastes thinks uh, the, the author God for us he wants us to think about our leaving so that we can live in light of it. That both die. And not just that both die. Uh, he says this. Uh, he goes on in verse 16. Um, he, he's talked about this. He sees the vanity because wisdom and foolishness all end in death. But he says, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. It's not just that you die, but that you will be forgotten. You'll be forgotten. Some of you are like, <gasps> some of you are getting out your checkbooks right now, and you want to, you know, put a, a youth center out there called the Your Name a Memorial Youth Center, and they'll always remember me. You know what's interesting about that? That's not true. They'll say your name, but they won't know you. I think that's fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, I was um, reading some news from the high school that I went to, and there was uh, a woman who was the theater arts director there for many years. And so uh, upon her retirement, uh, they put, uh, put her name on the theater arts building. And uh, so someone uh, was talking about some things that are happening at the school, and they mentioned her name, and, the, and, and I thought, nobody knows who they're talking about. I had that lady for English, and she was fine, you know, she was fine, but like, no one remembers her. She's gone. She's gone. No one remembers if she was a good teacher or a bad teacher. They just remember that her name is on the building. And so as he's going through this, and he's considering life, and he's working out his hypothesis and seeing what's at the end, he's taking step-by-step -step approach as an investigator. He's going, I'm going to figure this out. He's getting closer to the conclusion, and he goes, oh, no. Oh, no. Vanity. Vanity. That all die. That all die. And not just that all die, but they will be forgotten. Forgotten. The farther away you get from the time of one's death, things are forgotten. People don't know. I love being here at Bear Valley Church. Um, I love the, the living of life with you all and being here a long timer. But uh, this past week, one of our uh, great men of the church went to be with Jesus, Will Wilcox. And, and I want to tell you uh, that everything you see has his fingerprints on it because he was here. And I, I share that with you, and some of you are going, who's Will Wilcox? 
And we're all going, you don't know Will Wilcox? Yesterday, uh, uh, there was there used to be a sign out here. It was replaced by that sign. There was a, used to be a sign out here that said Bear Valley Church. And um, there was some concrete in there. Uh, and we took down that sign many years ago. But the concrete was still there. And, you know, as men get together and they start thinking of things to do, and they go, hey, we'll just take that concrete out. And as they exposed the concrete, they realized it was like, it was enough to pour a small house they put in there and uh, steel and various other things. I'm sure Will Wilcox was there that day when they put that sign up. And, and some of you don't know him. And it's not that uh, he wasn't a great enough man. He was a great man, but he's gone. He had moved down to San Diego to be with his kids. Um, you, you look at these things and you realize no one's uh, memory is forever. And, and you look at this, and Solomon's going through this, and he's going, wait, I'm the greatest man on the face of this earth. He probably understood, and he was probably right. And yet he says, wisdom, foolishness, everyone dies. And in the end, everyone is forgotten. Everyone is forgotten. Boy, this is a great message, huh? <laughs> what did you learn at church today? But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, verse 17, life left me. Life left me. The, the idea that uh, where does all this end? Where does all this information, where, where is this left a man who is searching? This is what he says. So I hated life. So I hated life. Uh I like seeing them. I've seen people with uh, shirts and bumper stickers on their car. Life is good. Life is good. Life is good. How about this for a bumper sticker? So I hated life. So I hated life. I, I look at this and uh, I, I go, "What is it like? Like what?" It so so if somebody came into my office, and this is typically moms, you're with me. Moms, I know you're with me. Your son or daughter comes up to you and you go, I hate my life. What are you going to do? What are you going to tell them? What are you going to tell them? It's not so bad. It's not so bad. And you're going to try to convince them that they've come to the wrong conclusion. And I want to tell you, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God written by a man with resources who saw things that we don't see, who was above us, who had greater wisdom than we had. And he comes to the conclusion of wisdom and folly. And he says, uh, you know, everyone dies. Everyone dies. And everyone's forgotten. And as it brings him in his own heart, where did it leave him? He says this, so I hated life. So I hated life. I think often when people are discouraged, uh, we say, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, I'm not suggesting any of us become counselors with this method, but uh, you can say it's not that bad. Actually, it's worse. You're just not smart enough to see it, right? Actually, it's far worse. So I hated life. And why? Uh, because in verse 17, he says, so I hated life because what is done under the sun, very important to get under the sun, right? What is under the sun? 
under the sun is life just down here apart from God. It's just how everyone can live apart from God. This is not life with God. This does not have anything to have your sins forgiven, being eternity with Jesus. This has nothing. It's just life under the sun here. And as he looked at life under the sun, he said, so I hated life uh, because everything done under the sun was grievous to me. That, that word grievous is, is the idea of seen as an evil, seen as an evil. It's this idea of as he looked at it, as it was in his path and he couldn't avoid it, it grieved his heart and was sadness to him. Hated life. It was grievous to him. And then he repeats what he has said before. He said, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. That striving after the wind, somebody mentioned to me this week that they felt like they had just run a useless marathon. Exhausting, uh, tired, aching, this depleted, and coming to the end and realizing it was for nothing. A useless marathon. This morning I'd like to uh, give you three things. Three things that you need to remember, that I need to uh, remember. And hopefully there is some encouragement to this. Uh, I want to tell you that God does have something for you here this morning. Um, sometimes we're so out of touch with what's really going on in this life that we're shocked by these things. We're shocked as we look at the Word of God and see the truth. And other times we just need to be reminded. This morning I just encourage you that... I, Encourage myself as well. I need to appreciate that wisdom is better for me. Wisdom is better for me. As you look through your life and see some of the disasters around you, the things that have come to your life, you can say, I, I know how I got there. Reckless living led to pain in my life. I was running in the dark and it hurt. Okay, I, I was trying to accomplish something and it didn't go very well because I was running in the dark. And I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I want to tell you that should cause you pause when you make decisions. It should cause you pause as you plan your schedule for the day. It should cause you pause as you reflect on their, your relationships and what they're based upon. Wisdom is better for you. You should appreciate the value of wisdom. Um, and in so doing, just remind that next generation that they won't land on their feet all the time. They want to, if they did it once, praise God that he didn't bring to fruition the result of their reckless living and say, oh, well, that's a funny story. That's a funny story. I agree, that's funny. Uh, but you won't always land on your feet and you should stop doing that until you have to pay for it. Like, you shouldn't wait until you learn the lesson by your experience. Appreciate that wisdom is better for you. Secondly, uh, I just want to encourage you to not be shocked by the emptiness of this life. Not be shocked by it. Um, I, I know, I know that many of you are struggling. I know it. I know that sometimes uh, we busy ourselves and... Uh, 
try to pacify ourselves and sometimes even medicate ourselves, just trying to get through the day. And I, I get that. I get that. Thinking that life is supposed to be easier, that there's supposed to be some kind of lasting fulfillment, whether it be uh, from a purchase we make or an activity we're a part of or some great accomplishment. And yet that we would not be fooled, that we would not be surprised by the emptiness of life. We always are, though, right? Uh, you know, you can, I'm not encouraging you to do this, but uh, you can read the news today, and you can see celebrities and athletes and politicians, and you can see people that have a gazillion more things than you have, and you see their reckless living, and it's not just reckless living because they want to live recklessly, it's empty living, seeking for something to make it worthwhile. And they find nothing, and so they get more extreme. And you, you say to yourself, I don't get it. Why are they so unhappy? Why are they, you know, well, they have everything. And I want to tell you that we should not be shocked by the emptiness of life. God's Word says it, right? Because He hated life. Lastly, I just want to tell you this. That for you, you need to remember the answer is not life under the sun, but life in Jesus. It's not life under the sun. It's not in getting the stuff down here. It's not living life to the fullest down here. It's living life in Jesus now. It's this idea that God has a plan for your life and He set up life in a certain way. And as part of His plan, as we are in the Old Testament, is looking to the New Testament, is finding that Jesus is the one that we should live life by. That we should be forgiven of our sins. We, that He would be the life and that we would, in participating with Him, have life as well. And that even, and I want to say this is so great, even as we have trusted in Christ, on that day when we die, on that day when we die, whether we were living wise, a wise life or a foolish life, if you trusted in Jesus, if you trusted in Jesus, we will go to be with Him forever. We will go to be with Him. And as we go to be with Him, I want to tell you, uh, we might be forgotten down here, but we will be alive uh, being one that is in intimate fellowship with Him forever this is why this is why life is empty down here is because he has a plan for us that's greater not down here but up there please join with me in prayer father god i ask that you would grant us encouragement through this passage lord we ask that you would help us god glorify yourself in your church help us to not become discouraged but uh that we trust wisdom and with uh, the, the foolish decisions that are all around us, may we choose your way and not our own. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.